You're listening to It's Real Life Podcast. Real hope. Real love. Real Real life. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us once again at It's Real Life Podcast. Man, I'm so excited about what's about to go down. (laughs) So before we get started, let me bring in my co-host with the most, the voice himself, Mr. Chris Davis. It is I, it is I, I'm excited. Deborah. you know, we have had some uh, really, really riveting conversations but this one today is getting ready to take the cake. I would venture to say, as much as I believe that we come with some fire ourselves, this individual that you get ready to introduce is gonna take it to another level. So I'm gonna let you go, I'm gonna get out the way so you can go ahead and do your thing, girl. (laughs) So the person that Chris is talking about is none other than the Dr. Verdi Leatherman. Yes, yes, yes. You may remember yes. Dr. Verdi from our last conversation, our first episode. And so, Dr. Verdi, how are you? I am ready to go deep. I'm ready to have fun. I'm ready to share and I'm ready to learn. We're going to learn together. We're going to share together. And out of this time that we spend, Hopefully our audience will walk away with some nuggets that will enrich and enhance their lives. Absolutely. That's always our mission here at It's Real Life Podcast is to impact the culture through authentic conversation that engages real life. And that's where we want to touch people in those real life situations. So the conversation today, we'll use the title Barriers to Vulnerability. And that's both men and women. Where are the places that we are fearful, tentative, where we don't have the courage to connect with one another? Where are those places and what keeps us from really developing intimate, close-up, real relationships? And that goes all the way around (laughs) the universe. So not just men, women, 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 parent, child, in work relationships, what keeps us from developing those deep relationships? So let's get it going. I brought up a word, fear. Sometimes there's a fear about somebody knowing me for real, opening myself for real, for people to see the real me. Because the question is, will I be rejected? Will they accept me for who I am? How will others handle the real me? As I say that, the other word that comes to my mind is the word risk. Yeah. So anybody, chime in on that. Well, I'm going I'm to jump in and, uh, and second and third what you were saying in terms of fear being the border bully. I'm going to borrow that term from uh, a book that was written called The Dream Giver. It's a really awesome book, but they have what they call border busters and border bullies, people who help you break past barriers, break through barriers, and people who hold you back. 
from those barriers that separate you from where you are and where you are destined or should be destined to go. Um, and I think fear is one of those. It's a border bully. But I think in a lot of ways, when we start talking about uh, barriers to vulnerability, uh, fear, and it tap dances on that trust thing uh, in a major way. And I was literally having a conversation yesterday with another gentleman, and I was talking about the fact that a lot of the work that we have done as it relates to men and boys was to create a safe space for them to feel uh, comfortable taking off their armor. And using the illustration of, you know, in, in a former time, the way that armor was put on and taken off, you had to, to strap it in the back, right? And so because you had to strap it and unstrap it in the back, you had to trust the person who was going to help you take your armor off and put your armor on because you were vulnerable. There's, if they wanted to do something, if they wanted to jab you in the back, there's nothing you could do to defend yourself. You were defenseless. So you had to trust the person that was going to be uh, helping you to you know, put on or remove your armor. And so in a lot of ways, that trust being a key cog when we start talking about barriers to vulnerability. So Dr. Leatherman, um, so we, we, we introduced some terms already, risk, fear. Chris brought in trust. What say you? I'm going to jump to the end of the story and I'm going to add a word that you're not considering that goes along with vulnerability and that's excitement. Because if you think about it, some of the things that make some people the most scared are the very same things that excite other people off the chain. And so part of it is how can the same thing create such divergent reactions. And it's because in the brain, fear and excitement are next door neighbors. The areas of the brain that impact our perception of something as frightening or exciting are neighbors in our brain. Wow. Now, how we label it plays a significant role. I jumped out of an airplane. It was both exciting and frightening. And what, I, what I'm coming to grips with is the fact that what appears to be exclusive ideas or feelings or situations are really a both and. I can be excited and scared. They're not exclusive. So your list is good, but it's just incomplete. Because at the very same time, there are people who love sharing and being vulnerable and transparent. And it's the same act. Now, let me just take you back real quickly. But it starts at the root of creation. God really did make us different. He said male and female. He really did. So we can't look at each other and expect us to respond to anything necessarily the same way. But then if we factor in temperament and we factor in personality and we factor in environments, all of those things shape how we respond to something that some call exciting and some call scary. Okay, give me that list again. Environment and what else? Okay, I started with male and female are right. different. Put a period. 
Don't try to make a man be a woman and a woman be a man. Number two, physi um, temperament, which is physiological. Temperament is about arousal and response and control. And then personality. We don't have the same personalities and even our temperaments and our personalities are shaped within our environments. And I may be very extroverted, but in, the, but in certain environments, I gotta calm myself down. And in some environments, I may be more introverted and I'm being pushed, get out there, do it. So we gotta start with the foundational elements and then move to the, the, the manifestation, the expression of our fears and our risks and who we trust and what excites us. And I'll tell you a story later about that. Okay. That's really good content and context mm -hmm. because as I thought about this, one of the first things that I thought about was in relationships as we're getting to know a person and it, it could be any relationship, just getting to know a person, we shield ourselves um, and we only the way I've heard people say this is they meet our representative first. <laughs> Got it. But that's not true of everybody. Some people can't wait to tell another person who they are until the environment starts to give them feedback. Like, whoa, that's too much. I can't handle it. Or wow, tell me more. But we, we apply this fear of vulnerability, this, these barriers, too blanketly because many people are willing and eager and excited until the environment says whoa don't do that that's too much for me and i think we give vulnerability a bad rap because everybody's not afraid to be vulnerable and i, I can't give you statistics but everybody's not afraid to be some people are dying to be known some people are dying i love it. i think i said it last time my favorite scripture about couples is naked and unashamed. Some people are dying to be naked and unashamed the way they were yeah. in the garden, just walking around free flowing. So I want the people who are not afraid to be vulnerable to give themselves permission to keep not being afraid and don't buy into the hype that you're supposed to be afraid to be vulnerable. <laughs> now, I hear that. I will agree that I'm sure there are people who are just jumping at the bit to let people know who they are. Okay, I'll be, I'll be vulnerable. So for me, it took a long time for me to give myself permission to be open. Part of that process for me was coming to the place of being made whole. One of the things you mentioned last time we talked was brokenness and how brokenness can be one of the things that is a barrier to vulnerability. So we're adding brokenness to that list. Okay. And I'm going back to in the beginning, mm -hmm. we were made in God's image and the image of God is to be known. Mm. God doesn't want to hide. Mm -hmm. God doesn't want us to be he, to be mysterious, to be unexplainable. He wants to be known. So the sinful nature of the world 
has broken us, mm. has given us those negative messages. But look at little children. Yes. See that that's the that's the evidence. Little children could care less if I'm clean, if I'm dirty, if I got clothes on, if I got shoes on. Little kids could care less. Hi, here I am. They learn over time the rules. They're socialized and go back to Chris. And men are socialized at a whole different level than women are. But we're both socialized, unfortunately, by sinful people who have forgotten the image that they were made in. And God wants to be known. Seek me and you shall find me. Because that is who he is. And that is whose image we're made in. Here's a question I would have as we look at that that truth what would you say is the relationship between authenticity and vulnerability the relationship between authenticity and that they go hand in mm. hand the more authentic i am like deborah just said transparent authentic leads to vulnerability and how that vulnerability, authenticity, transparency is received is my environmental factor that either reinforces or discourages me doing that again. And when the kids are running around naked, the parents are screaming, go put your clothes on. Don't go outside. You know, he's looking at you. And we learn that in our environment, we aren't often encouraged to be authentic we get in trouble people don't like it they disagree and rather than embrace embracing the notion that's okay you don't have to agree or like it but that is my truth i am being authentic we don't want to hurt someone else we have to give ourselves permission to be authentic i was thinking as you were saying that you know i wonder if the socialization is one of those barriers to vulnerability. You kind of talked about how as kids, we're just kind of wide open. Here I am, see me, hear me. And then we're socialized and we're sensitized or desensitized. And in some ways kind of, you know, compartmentalized, if you will. <laughs> well, and, and let's just be blunt. We're messed yeah. up. Absolutely. It's, it's not a wonder to it. And we're both socialized in messed up ways by our society. And it's society starts in our homes very early. And, I, and, it's, and it's not intentional messing us up, but we do get messed up. Let's take a break to tell you a little about Anchor. If you hadn't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now back to its real life. So 
Thanks for uh, staying with us after the break. We're going to pick right back up where we left off uh, in this conversation on It's Real Life podcast with my co-host with the most, (laughs) Chris Davis, and our wonderful Dr. Verdi Leatherman, Barriers to Vulnerability. And so the question on the table was distinctions between authenticity and vulnerability. And Dr. Verdi, you were giving us some information around socialization um, and the impact of socialization on um, how vulnerable and how authentic or open uh, we are. Our socialization interferes with our creation status in God's image. And in the Garden of Eden, he made us differently in terms of our roles and assignments, but we were both created in his image. And part of that is his desire to be known and our legacy of desiring to be known, particularly by those who we are closest to and who we love. Man, this is like, you you just you just gave us a loaded <laughs> a loaded card. <laughs> so I'm thinking about in in my environment growing up. I lost my mother when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went from one household to another household to live as a kid, and then experienced being molested as children are, you know, children can be cruel. So receiving messages from my family, cousins, brothers, you're black, you have big lips, you're ugly, you're stupid. And so those messages are messages that I had to fight through for most of my life into adulthood, it was trying to figure out who I really was through those messages, through the things that happened to me. And instead of wanting to be known, I wanted to hide. And I'm gonna challenge that. Yes, you wanted to hide, but mostly you didn't wanna hurt. Okay. So what you hid most of all were your feelings. And to some degree, we just pretend like we don't have them. That is so good. <laughs> and see, and that's the root of it. We don't want to be hurt. Absolutely. So if we just hide or pretend, we think we're safer. We think it hurts less. But because we're not being authentically who God made us, we're still hurting anyway. You know, something I was thinking about, too, and I'm glad you pulled that back out, because even the notion of being authentic, authentically what? How is that defined? And and, and when you talked about, you know, the image of God, the Imago Dei, right? Just what what is that? What does that look like? Like, if we have no idea or no concept of what that is, what that looks like, then we don't even know what we're trying to reflect or what we're trying to emulate or what we're trying to get back to. And I think maybe that could be also a very, one of those barriers to vulnerability because we don't even know what we're supposed to look like you know, as right. men and women. What What is a real man and what is a real woman? How do we define that 
And I think in a lot of ways, we're hurting and hurting other people because we have no clue what that is. And what we do in the absence of having a clue is we take what's socialized around us the most. And the concept of masculinity in America has its own flavor. Mm. And it's hard for a man not to buy into that pressure to be the American standard. Wow. And we can just throw out all kind of examples about what men strive for that's either unattainable or just doesn't fit them, but they still strive for in the absence of permission from God just to be who he made you to be. And and the same applies to women. So if we don't know, we have to learn because God tells us over and over and over again. We just have to learn and study and read and listen but it's foundational. If we don't start there, we're already missing the point. Yeah, you 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 hit the you hit the nail squarely on the head. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about my life as an adult male and how much of the Western culture socialization I had to unlearn mm-hmm. and the definition, you know, like not being afraid. First of all, I, I was I was sharing this story the other day about how I had three boys and I cried when each one of them was born. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't the same. I right. was overwhelmed. And when I talk about the experience, mm-hmm. I talk about how it, it was like a spiritual experience and I was overwhelmed with emotion and there was nothing else I could do but cry. Whether I wanted to stop it or not, <laughs> there was no stopping the train. <laughs> right. But I challenge you, Chris, because if there had been men in the room you might have still cried, but you'd have felt the peer pressure because peer pressure is real in the absence of God freedom. Peer pressures, peer pressure versus God freedom. We have to choose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're right. You have to answer those questions for yourself. And everyone has to answer those questions for themselves, male and female. I'm wondering, like if we could look at the culture and make some generalization. We have representation of both genders here on, on this on this podcast. What are some of the and and you and and you, Doctor Leatherman, have seen kind of both sides in terms of your practice, your work. What what are two or three big pillars barriers that men and women experience that that prevent Ooh. them from being <laughs> vulnerable? Okay, all right. You really want to hear this? Yeah, yeah, I do. Number one. Don't feel. Men don't feel emotions because they can overwhelm you and you and you look like a wimp. If you don't feel, you will never connect. Wow. And and connection is what you're talking about. Because vulnerability is all about intimacy. Now I'll tell you my story I told you I was gonna tell earlier. I did a marriage retreat in the fall. And the topic was sex and intimacy. And I came from the perspective of intimacy more than sex. And I had the couples do an exercise on being vulnerable. Naked and unashamed was the title of the exercise. And they just had to, I said, take, they're taking their clothes off. A shirt, their shoes, their socks. 
but that each question took them a little deeper into vulnerability and transparency. And at the end of it, one of the ladies was crying. I said to her, why are you crying? And one of the group members, yeah, we told you this was hard. She's crying because it was hard. I said, okay, well, let's just let her answer that. And this woman said in front of this group of premarital couples, I've never felt this close to my husband in my entire life as I do in this moment. And the intimacy was so overwhelming that she was crying because she never experienced that level of connection. So the second is don't connect, especially don't be a mama's boy. And that's a whole nother conversation about how traumatic it really is for sons to leave their mothers. That's a whole nother conversation. But you can't, you can't act like it bothers you because you're a big boy and mothers are supposed to let you go. But then number three, you got to be the man. You're in control. You got the answers. You got it all figured out. And you don't need to lean because you're the man. So those three are three big barriers for men. And you can see the connection of how that would interfere with vulnerability, which leads to intimacy. Women, flip the coin, we're supposed to be the um, peacemakers. Smooth it all over. Make sure everybody's happy. Take care of everybody before you take care of yourself. And do it with a smile. Don't let negative feelings come out. Who do you think you are that you don't like something? You don't agree with it. You don't want it. And that you do bring something to the table that contributes to a man who claims he doesn't need any contributions. But if we go back to the image of God, he created woman to be that for a man. So if she can't be that, society teaches her just to play dumb, dumb it down. Don't bring anything to the table. And so each of those really interferes with men and women fully being who we are. And they're related, but they're different. And if you look at, if you just look at the relationships of your friends who are, you know, men and women, you can see the pattern. Women are constantly trying to smooth things over and men are constantly trying to be independent hear me where I got it and they're dying for some help and women are dying in many ways to help to support you without taking your masculinity just to be your partner my goodness um the that, mic that was just that was a lot <laughs> <laughs> okay, asked, so hold I only, on. What? I only gave you three. You asked for three. I gave you three each. That's not the exhaustive list, but those are three. Those are really good because those are such overriding pieces in our society that both men and women wrestle with within the context of the relationship to find their place, to, now, to make I this thing work especially in marriage and that whole concept of two becoming one. And, and, and so when we're combating what society has taught us, we have to go back, as you say, to being created yes. in the image of God and finding those places where we are different 
in who we are. Right. Now, then let me throw this, this twig into the creek. It's, it's going to sound like a twig for you, but it'll probably <laughs> sound like a log. <laughs> so here's where we really make ourselves crazy. This is one of my favorite quotes of life. I am not who I think I am. I am not who you think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Now, if that doesn't make you crack up, nothing else will. I'm not just being who I think Bertie is, but I'm not even being who I think Chris thinks Bertie is. I'm being who I think Chris thinks Bertie is, rather than just being who Bertie is. Oh, my goodness. And the freedom that comes with that is seductive, exciting, intimate, fun. But the, what is it, the bonds, the shackles, that come with trying to be who I think you think I am will make me crack up. And it's up to us to give ourselves permission to go back to our roots and just be who God made us to be and not apologize for that and not trying to tailor that to fit society or cultures or, or our, our fem- femaleness or our maleness expectations but just to be who God made us to be in his likeness and image, full out. Mm